Awesome. Good. A huge welcome to our Heavenly Father eh, for His presence. He is so good. Awesome. I might just... Um, yeah, brilliant. Cool. You all ready for the word, eh? I saw this funny clip the other day and it made me laugh. And it was a boss says to employer, do you believe in life after death? And the employer went, well, I'm not sure, but I don't know if you can prove it. And the boss says, well, when you left early to go to your uncle's funeral yesterday, he came looking for you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for resurrection, eh? Cool. All right, let's pray. Father... Thank you for the good news of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for your presence here. We cannot do without you. If they had to tarry for it many years, thousands of years ago, Lord, they had to wait for it because we need it. And I need it. And I just thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us and for this word that I will share, which is your words, that it will be freeing and impacting and changing so that people walk out a different way to where they came in, that they will walk out just encouraged and built up. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. So Running With Fire is the series today. You all on fire for God? Too right you are. No Tanner is. He's always on fire. I love it. So Running With Fire. My title today is, and it's going to come up hopefully, it got on there, is Grasshoppers. Or conquerors. There you go. It's up. Thank you, Ruben. You did a good job of that. Grasshoppers or conquerors. Okay. What's it all about? I'm going to let you know. Running with fire. Well, it's easy to run with fire and passion when everything's going well. But that testimony was really spot on to what I'm sharing today that um, the Kirsten fan I shared. Because what happens if everything doesn't always go to your plan? What happens when you start going through challenges like we all do when we get up the mountain and we have to take our mountain, we have troubles and problems and things. How do we, how do we deal with that? How do, we, how do we go through that? And are you still going to run with fire? So that's where I'm coming from today. And the passage of scripture, and it's to do with Caleb. And it's fine, there's a few, I'm going to, share a few chap uh, scriptures over the um, time of me sharing. And it's to do with Caleb. You know, Caleb had a vision of a new land that God had promised. He was right there within a stone's throw of this promise that God had given him and the children of Israel. He was ready to step into it and ready to take it. And then something happened. And here's what we read, and it'll come up on the screen behind me. Numbers chapter 13, then the spies had gone into the land, they'd come back with a report, and this is what they report. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people, they are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. We get a lot of that these days. About the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. In other words, they were the giants. We seemed like grasshoppers, in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. 
You know, grasshopper thinking is seeing the problem so big that it makes you look at the promises of God so small. Grasshopper thinking is that we are too small and everything is too big for me to handle. It's thinking you are insignificant, you're not good enough, and even when you look in the mirror, you think, I'm not special, I don't look great, I'm not good enough. And this is an epidemic in our world today, this grasshopper thinking. And it's, I can't, I'm not able, I'm definitely not strong enough. And the grasshopper thinking just continues to be rife through our culture. And what this mindset of defeat does, it keeps you stuck in one place. From that story that I just read from the Bible, the children of Israel got stuck. They basically wandered from that point on for 40 years. Caleb had vision, he had passion, he was running with fire, but his team let him down in a way, and he could have got disappointed, he could have got discouraged for 40 years. Can you imagine continuing to run with fire or try to run with fire when all of that was going on around him? But he kept his vision before him and he had his eyes on the prize. And that's what we have. We have our eyes on the prize. Can you imagine getting so low to thinking you are a grasshopper that someone can basically come along and just step on you? Do you think that's what your heavenly Father has made you to feel and believe? No way. You are a conqueror. Too right you are. The grasshopper mentality is responsible for countless unfulfilled dreams and will keep you out of your promised land. But it's time to think big. It's time to dream big. So for when people don't think right, they don't act right. Actions are a byproduct of what you think. If you think you are a, a, a grasshopper mentality or if you think you're a grasshopper, that's going to influence you through all of your life until you deal with it. If you don't control what you think, you won't control what you do. And the Israelites started to think bad and it controlled them so that it cost them 40 years of wandering around the same mountain, not learning, but Caleb was different. So how do we deal with this grasshopper mentality? Actually, Reuben just stole my verse. I had a bit of a laugh. The Holy Spirit always knows. Second Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, <clears throat> I think you said this anyway, I'll be coming up on the screen. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought that you have, you take it to the Word of God and you say, what does God say about this situation that I'm facing? Every thought. I have lots of thoughts go through my head at times. And when I'm going through a challenge or a problem, I take it to God's Word. Your giant looks different when you believe the promises of God because it doesn't look like a giant then. By reading the promises of God and getting them right deep in our hearts, it will renew your minds. Romans 8 
says this. You know, um, it says this. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm here to tell you today you are loved. God hasn't called you to be a grasshopper and he's not just called you to be a conqueror. He's called you to be more than a conqueror. We've had some amazing conquerors through the history period of our history, haven't we, that we know about. But I tell you what, you are more than a conqueror because the Bible, God's word tells you so. Get it into your heart. Grasshoppers will always look for the bad report. Conquerors look on the bright side, the possibilities. Grasshoppers are always looking back, but more than conquerors look forward rather than crying about what was behind, which is what the children of Israel did. They got so low, and this is what God had been telling them. He'd brought them through, the, through all the wilderness. They were... They were right there, ready to take the prize that God had for them. This blessing that was going to bless generations to come and still today. And he said, hey, I've given you miracle after miracle after miracle. And now you're worried about these big people in this land that you're going to face? They felt intimidated. You know, if you never had any problems, how would you know what a miracle is? And this is what Joshua actually said. Joshua said this, Do not fear the people of the land, that's including the giants, as they are our bread. Do you know there's something nutritious about going through challenges in life? Because as I said, if you didn't go through challenges, how would you know what a miracle was? You know, we, we actually, challenges and difficulties are good for us, these can become our bread. And the children of Israel, all they talked about was giants, giants, giants. These grasshoppers see giants as stop signs. Don't go there. It's too difficult. It's too hard. We can't. <clears throat> but conquerors see giants as signposts. There may be a giant in your life that God has been telling you to deal with, because at the other side of dealing with your giant, there is your destiny. You know, David had to walk through Goliath to become king. And it wasn't till the children of Israel really manned up and realized if we don't get into that land, we will never ever see our destiny fulfilled. God Leaves, the, uh, leaves them there as it's in this season that we can grow and we learn to trust God. You know, um, Paul went to China um, with James on a missions trip many years ago <clears throat> with our son. And after James got back from China, he started to get really, really unwell. We had no idea what was wrong with him. We took him to doctor after doctor after doctor. He got sicker and sicker to the point he was pretty much in bed most of the time. He was quite unwell. He had no energy. And they said that he probably had picked up a virus there that was just attacking his whole system. And he got so ill, they put him on meds. They tried everything. He just didn't seem to be getting any better. And it was bad report after bad report for us that we were facing. 
when James was facing. And he got so ill that I remember one night, <clears throat> he just said, Mum, I can't do this anymore. And he was convulsing at the time. It was through the night. He was in a bad way. He was not well. And I went into, I was there, I went into his room, and, I, and when he said, I can't do this anymore, I went, James, not on my watch. I just picked up his Bible, and I said, I'm going to read you through the night every healing verse, and some of them he'd highlighted himself, some of them I found, and I read every healing verse that I could. I had to trust God through that moment. You know, the challenge is trusting God because trust isn't proven in the good times, it's proven in the bad times. Are you still willing to trust God when you go through difficulties and challenges in your life? And today, Jesus is better. He's not 100%, but he's a lot better. He's now working full time, and I just keep reminding him, James, renew your mind. Get the promises of God into your heart. Whatever the situation is or the problem that you are facing, God has the answer to every situation. Every situation. <clears throat> and then we read in Joshua 14. This is Caleb. He's wandered with the people for 40 years. He's full of passion and the doubters have all passed away, but Joshua's, I mean, Caleb is here. And this is... Um, what he says, they're coming up into the, the land and he say, and Caleb approaches um, Joshua and he says, you know, and it should be up on here, here we go. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. <clears throat> and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses said to him, The Lord, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And then just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous. Isn't that amazing? He had to wait 45 extra years to receive the promise of God for something that was not his fault. He never anticipated it. But it happened. And he said, I am just as vigorous. I'm still running with fire. I'm ready to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me. That's the key. The Lord is faithful to his promises, isn't he? You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. He held on to the promise of God. He knew he couldn't do it in his own strength, that God was with him. Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron remained. 
sorry, Hebron um, belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Abba, after Abba, who was the greatest man among the giants. In other words, he was the giant there, yeah, among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. So here's this giant that was there in Kiriath Abba. He named it Abba, and the name of Kiriath Abba means four giants in this city. So every time someone went to visit this city, they were constantly reminded that four giants lived there. In other words, we're going to intimidate you. There are four. We're the giants. We're going to put down on everyone that would come into that area. It was like this label that had been put there by this giant. He wanted people to be subjected to him and to remain like grasshoppers. But then Caleb comes along. And it's quite interesting because the Israelites changed the name to Hebron, which means community or the sense of the meaning means uniting. See, God is always about putting people in community where you will be built up and encouraged and blessed. He wants you to belong to his family. And so that is why the name had to be changed because we don't want to be reminded that there are giants everywhere, but we want to be reminded about belonging to a place where there is hope and encouragement in building up. And so Caleb changed the name with the children of Israel to Hebron. Caleb kept his passion all through the years of 45 years. And there's something interesting about the passage that I just read. There's something missing. In spite of all that he had had to endure for the 45 years waiting longer, something is missing. There is no complaints And there is no moaning from Caleb about the hard hand that he had really got dealt with. He was the minority when the majority gave a bad report and they didn't want to go in and they were intimidated by the giants. Caleb didn't lose his passion. He never got discouraged and he didn't moan and complain. He never lost his vision from the day he went in as a spy to the day he conquered the giants. And do you know the thing that I think is interesting in this story? It says that he, that he just walked in there like a boss, really, not intimidated by the giants, and the giants went. There is no big story about the battle that Joshua, that Caleb went through. You would think after waiting all those years, there'd be some amazing story, big section of how this battle went and how he defeated those giants. But you know why? Because it wasn't Caleb's focus. His focus was on the blessing and the promise of God, not on the giants. And so he took that land and in one sentence, after 45 years of waiting with no gripe, no grizzle, the Bible sums it up. And he took, he took that area and he changed the name to Hebron. Are you ready to continue to run with fire no matter what God, what, what goes on around you? Because your God is with you. You know, praise summons God, but trust follows God. 
Trust is not proven in good times, but in hard times. Psalm 145 says this, verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Renew your mind with that word there. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. Some people keep bringing up the past. Caleb didn't do that. They just think that their past failures and mistakes will keep them from ever doing good in life, from ever inheriting blessing, that they don't deserve it. That's grasshopper thinking. You are more than a conqueror. And you know that God, actually, if you read his word, and if you think people with past mistakes are not good enough, well, then you'd have to probably pull out a lot of your Bible. Because if you think of Moses, Moses was a great leader, but he killed a man. He was a murderer. He wrote five books of the Bible in the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all written by someone like that. But he went on to think he was more than a conqueror, and God used him mightily. Apostle Paul, look at what he did. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, the epistles. He failed. He was also someone like that. Look at King David. He wrote a lot of the Psalms. Past mistakes do not define you. God can use you no matter the past. And you know, if God chooses to put all our past and our mistakes in the sea of his forgetfulness, not that God is a forgetting God, but he chooses to forget them because he doesn't want them to bring up, why do you continue to go deep sea fishing and bring them up again? Because that's what we can do. God has just far more than you can ever imagine. So such is this man that the Bible doesn't even record the battle that Caleb had. The giants were small in the eyes of Caleb. And your problems, for what you focus on, when you have a big God, you will see your problems are small. And those giants just went out of that area. They couldn't deal, they couldn't cope with Caleb because he was strong and mighty in God. You can always tell the size of a man by the size of the problem it takes to discourage him. Caleb never saw these giants as a problem. What you see is determined by who you are. If you think you are a grasshopper, you will be a small like a grasshopper. And you will see the world like giants. But if you are a spiritual giant with your armor of God on, the world will look like grasshoppers and you will have them for breakfast. Like Joshua said, these giants are our bread. Wow. And then I just want to finish with this. Caleb, not only does he run with fire, but he wants his family to run with fire. So what does he do there? Because that's what Paul and I have. I want my kids to do better and greater in the kingdom of God than I have ever done. And Caleb says this, and I think it sounds crazy, but it might not be. He says this, I will give my daughter Aksa. So he's living in Hebron. He's living in the land that God has promised. 
He says this, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kiriath-Sepha. That was another city nearby, obviously. Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him in marriage. Now you might think, what crazy dad would say, hey, the first guy that comes along and conquers this city here with these other people in it, you can have, I'm going to give you my daughter to marriage. You might think, wow, that sounds a bit crazy. And he was very trusting, but I don't think it was crazy. Do you know why? If there's anything that a woman wants in life, and that's a protector. She wants someone who's got a bit of backbone to them, who's going to fight for her. And someone who can come along as a man and say, this giant is not a problem. We're going to walk right through that. We're going to deal with it. We're going to take it. And that's what Othniel did. Caleb was a very wise dad. He wanted someone for his daughter that was going to take mountains like he had done. He wanted his legacy to pass on to the younger generation. He wanted them to be strong, that no matter the problems and challenges in life, whoever was his daughter's husband, they were going to be strong and take those giants and fight for his daughter. So it was very smart. The legacy that he had of taking his mountain, he wanted his son-in-law to be the boss, to take their mountain, that every challenge that came away, they could deal with. You know, that's why I married Paul. It wasn't just for his good looks and his six-pack, six, six <coughs> that was then. <coughs> but there was one thing that attracted me to Paul, and it was actually something really important to me that I was not his first love. God was. And that is why Paul married me, because I'm not his first love. God is. When I received Jesus as Lord of my life, he was my one. People say, oh, how do I know about the one? Find Jesus and the rest will happen. Seriously. He is my one. Paul's next. I love Jesus, I love God, and I tell you what, he's faithful. And that was the one thing that I wanted in a man, was that if he gets that right, the rest will happen. We will face giants together when we get the number one right. God is on the throne, not giants. We will not be intimidated, and we have had many challenges, many challenges, especially through COVID and running a business. We have had lots of giants that we've had to deal with. Some saw sometimes like we could have been intimidated, but God, we've took them and it's been awesome and we've got great testimonies because that's what it's about, having the testimonies to share, eh? So, learn from your past, but don't live there. The children of Israel packed up in the wilderness and they continued to pack their tents Wandering and wandering and wandering. They never learned. Even after God said, hey, I brought you through the Red Sea. I patted it. I, I've dealt with your enemies. I've fed you manna. I've fed you the quails. Two million people every day for 40 years were fed by God. Then they get to the very 
tip of the iceberg as it was, to touch the land that God had promised. Their promise was right there, and they were intimidated. I'm here to tell you today you are more than a conqueror. You can take your mountain, whatever the problem is that you are facing here today. God is with you. Just eat those giants for bread. Deal with it. Renew your mind. Making it obedient to Christ, to the Word of God. The Word of God, because that is what we deal with, with giants. We take it to the Word of God. Whatever giant you are facing, there is a promise for every situation. If you need a financial breakthrough, God is your provision. He will provide. If you need healing, get those healing scriptures into your heart. Say them every day. You know, my daughter, she's just started a new job, and every day, even at school, a morning, we'll give her a little verse. Doesn't need to be a big, massive thing, just needs to be something little. Go for it. You're a leader. You're amazing. I encourage her. Paul does. We tell her. She's awesome. You know, you're going to be a world changer. How do I know I'm special? Because God says you do. She asked me that. What's my purpose? To change the world. I tell her, you're a giant in the kingdom of God, not a grasshopper. So we learn from the past, but we don't live there. You declare the promises of God over your life. Remember who you are. You are mighty. You know, I've visited glowworm caves, and I can tell you, if God can light up a grub's butt or a glowworm's butt, what can he do for you? Who are you? And you know what I mean? Wow, that's just a revelation right there. But you look at the intricacies of, of the creation and the detail. Those glowworm caves, they're amazing. I just love them. We visited a couple. They're just so amazing. And that is the very detail. God lights up even in a cave in the darkness. Who are you? You're amazing. You are special. You are unique. Go and change the world. You are more than a conqueror. Get rid of that grasshopper thinking because it will keep you from your promised land.